0: You are listening to Deeper Roots, a podcast to help equip the members of New Branch Community Church to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information, visit newbranch.com. Hey, so we're finally back recording another episode of Deeper Roots. Tyler's here, and I'm here with Ken. I'm here.
1: And we're finally recording. Yeah, it's it feels good. It feels right. What, what took us so long? Oh, yeah. Where have we been? I don't know. What happened, Tyler?
0: (laughs) Well, we recorded a bunch of episodes, and then my dog ate them. Okay, was that it? That's not sure. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just had some scheduling things and stuff like that. Difficult to get together, but hopefully we can uh, keep it going weekly from here on out. Yeah,
1: I I mean, um, it it would probably be good to just go ahead and plug again um, that we'd love to hear from our diverse plethora of Listeners, any ideas or thoughts or um, things that you guys wanted to um, have us talk about? Um, Again, this is primarily focused and geared on equipping the church. So what is it that you want to be equipped on? It could be a question about theology. It could be a question about the church. um, Anything that uh, you'd like for us to um, address in future episodes, please let us know. so that in times like this, we can, we can fill in with some of those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually this was sort of a, today's topic is a little bit of a suggested topic from way back when. Um, but we're, we're, we're pulling it out now. Um, today we're talking, we're just kind of following up on the revelation series going into, um, the, the, the specific topic, which I'm not sure how far we'll get into, or maybe we'll cover more in a future episode, was what are the different millennial views, and uh, where do we fall? So I'm not sure that we have to go into all of that today, but we might hit some of it. Uh, sure. But but more specifically, I want to kind of talk about where at this point nine chapters in, right? Nine chapters in. Correct.
1: At this point in the recording of this episode, we're nine chapters in.
0: Yes. And then chapter 10 this weekend. Are you doing all of chapter 10 this weekend? Uh,
1: yes. Chapter 10 is only 11 verses. So Lord willing, we'll be covering all of that. So so as of this
0: point, nine chapters in, just want to talk a little bit about how this series is going and what kind of feedback we're hearing and uh, things like that. So let me kick off with this. What would you say is the most encouraging thing so far And in Revelation, and this series—it could be feedback, it could be just just truth directly from what's been most encouraging for you.
1: Yeah, um, for me, it's just been um, well. It's 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 been challenging. Um, it's it's been a very challenging passage uh, uh, book uh, to preach. Um, I would say probably one of the most challenging that's probably not surprising to anyone, but one of the most challenging, uh, books that I've preached through. Um, and I expect that to remain consistent through the rest of the book. Um, but, but it's been, um, refreshing. Um, it's been challenging because I know that there are different views that are valid. Um, Some passages of scripture, some books of the Bible are difficult to preach for different reasons. Right. Sometimes they're difficult to preach because it's a difficult topic. Sure. Um, Either because of the content or because you know the people in your church are walking through certain things that it's going to be difficult for them to wrestle with this. Um, That's not why this is difficult. This is difficult because it's just hard to interpret. Sure. Um, And there are good and valid interpretations that are different. Right um, and so uh, knowing that and knowing that those various views are represented in our own church, and I certainly don't want to come across as uh, this is the only way faithful Bible uh, readers could understand this. Right. Um, you know, weighing all of that and trying to interpret what I think it means sure. uh, has been a, a a big challenge. But it seems as though each week. Um, as we're reminded that God is sovereign, as we're reminded of God and His, uh, His gloriousness on the throne um, and seems to elicit uh, just heartfelt worship uh, from myself and from the church. Um, has been. That's probably been the most encouraging part of this. Um, we've said each week that the purpose, or I've said each week, that the purpose of the book is to equip the church to persevere through tribulation, and I feel like it's doing that. It's doing that for me personally, and um, at least in some of the conversations I've had, I think th- I think the Lord's using this book to do that for our church. And yes, that, that's a good thing.
0: Yes, I. That's I think that what I would say is most encouraging, having like listened to it and also like studying along, because. Uh, I kind of come into the topic with a view or to to the book with a view, uh, but not something that's been deeply I've never really gone deep into exegeting revelation. Um so uh I'm like following along and studying along with you as you're as you're um preaching through section by section. And I do think what's been most encouraging for me is that uh that that sense of like I think it has encouraged to persevere that that mm-hmm. Jesus Jesus wins and he's protecting his people even though that's a spiritual protection you've talked about repeatedly mm-hmm. um, that we have the seal um, and that we um, will be protected uh, through through tribulation um, so I think that that repeated refrain like it seems like it just keeps coming back right mm-hmm. um particularly from six seven eight in there
1: um I think that that's super encouraging. that that and 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 then also you know I think we can um as we as we look at our world and we see displays of evil and um, yes. manifestations of of tribulation and suffering right. Um, recognizing that as we've seen each week, um, that God is sovereign over those things. Um, and e- even in the coming chapters, as we see, um, uh, manifestation of Satan and Antichrist and, and false prophet and, you know, kind of the, the, the evil Trinity, um, even they will be, will have, uh, if, if you will, kind of a a, a leash. They're on a leash yes. they, they, that God is sovereign even over that. And so um, when we see that stuff in our own world, when we are touched by evil, those with it, that we know and love are touched by evil, we see um, evil and, and suffering um, on the news. Um, it's a reminder that, uh, yes, that is part of, Uh, a fallen world but even that is under the sovereign hand of god and it will not go any further than he intends for it to go in order for it to accomplish his purposes Um, that has to be um, tremendously encouraging for those who are enduring that kind of suffering
0: yes and i was gonna i agree with you in a in a kind of weird way when you see the depictions of evil that the Bible does acknowledge and like does put out in like very like clear stark terms but uh it's comforting to say what i see around me in the world is like not a surprise to the pages of scripture yeah like the bible described it as being that kind of evil and it's also uh comforting the point has been made a lot in recent weeks of one day, one day full justice will be meted out. Like one day, uh, the time for holding back is done. Right. And there will be full justice and that's comforting as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I'm really enjoying, I'm really enjoying the, the series through revelation so
1: far. What kind of, uh, what kind of feedback are you getting from folks? Um, I'm not getting a ton of feedback. Uh, I've gotten some feedback uh, that says, you know, well, what about the rapture? When does the rapture happen? Um, You know, and I think a lot of the questions that have come my way have come through, uh, I've recognized, okay, they're coming to this study that we're doing through revelation with their own um, preconceived ideas and, and, and kind of a, a pattern of approaching this that they've been taught or exposed to, and perhaps some of what we're walking through is challenging some of that. Sure, and it might not it might not fit. It's like, wait what what about what about the rebuilding of the temple? When is the temple going to be real, rebuilt? Right, and and that sort of thing. And so, some of this is deconstructing um, some interpretations of scripture in order to understand. Um, truly what the Bible says.
0: Right. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm enjoying this is there was a predominant view that I like that I was taught um, even through Bible college and things like that, that I knew at some point that I didn't, that I, that wasn't the view I held. I know, I know that's not my view, but I haven't ever gone back to say, well, what is, what are these like exegeting scriptures? What does this mean? in light of it not going through that other view. Um, so, and, and at the end of the day, the best way to do theology is through exegesis. It's yeah. through. I mean, you have to synthesize in some ways different parts of what the Bible's saying, but actually getting in the Bible and saying, what does this mean? How does this connect? Um, that That's the best way to, like, hammer out your theology instead of just reading, like, you know, 15, four views on this or right. um, other theological. Yeah. Which and, those can be helpful.
1: And, 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 you know, I, I don't mean to say at all that um, those that take views that are different from mine, aren't going through that process. Right. They are exegeting the text. They're asking, what does the text mean? But there's some, certain assumptions that we all make. Sure. Um, and some of it has to do with what is your approach? What is your interpretive approach to a book Yes. Like this. Um, and, and that yeah. might help to kind of think through. We've talked some about this um, in the first couple of weeks that we went through Revelation when we started our study through Revelation um, as to what my approach is going to be. But, um, you know, just fundamentally, um, understanding what kind of literature this is yes. is really, really important. This is not a historical account. Right. This is. This is. First of all, it's it's a genre of liter- literature called apocalyptic, which we have absolutely no reference for in our current modern literature today. Yeah, right. That you, you're not going to find an a, 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 an apocalyptic uh, book on the shelves uh, of the bookstore. Right. Um, you know, apocalyptic was a genre of literature in that day um, that used. Uh, fantastic vi- visions and imagery in order to communicate some kind of reality right uh the word apocalypse means uncovering we've talked about that it's yeah. unveiling so it's it's unveiling something it doesn't necessarily mean it's in time right although i think it we all agree that it eventually gets there yeah uh, it, it just we we might disagree as to at what point it gets there sure but it eventually gets to end time, but that's not what apocalyptic means. It means unveiling and this unveiling in some way seems to not unveil because it's still veiled right. when we remove the cover. So
0: I think one of the things that I hear a little bit of murmurings on, uh, as we go through this and I get, I get the impulse, cause it's been my impulse like for years and years, um, is to look at revelation or to look at just eschatology in general, um, and, and say, there's all these different views how could anyone like maybe no one's right or maybe we're just not supposed to know or something like that and in saying like i understand you and i have different
1: views first off right so um yes but they may not be as different as yeah. as as we think were you coming around huh i'm kidding okay <laughs>
0: uh no no they are they're really not that different but we but we land in two different camps if if we were to like talk about the millennial position yes uh but there are there are better there are reasons for weighing the different views and there are uh, good reasons for holding a uh, like the views have pros and cons and we should sure. read, we, we shouldn't just go to uh, i think what i've called the exegetical agnosticism where you're just like i don't know maybe they're I don't know what it says, and yeah. how can we know? Well, it's in the Bible. It is, like you said before, it's called the unveiling. It's the, the it's trying to reveal something. Um, and I do think that we should examine the claims of different views. Like the one, when uh, one, one you talk about your approach, right? Like one of the views that's, that, that's difficult for me is it a, a view that would see this more literally. And I totally respect, to, to, to totally caveat everything, I respect that there's people in our church that would hold this view. I'm just saying for my, my own self, um, I, I would have a hard time with taking all of Revelation, like, with the sheer, uh, very, very literally. Right. Um, because of what you said about the apocalyptic genre. Right. Um, I think that it does, the apocalyptic genre itself, like, speaks to it being figurative. Yep. And so, to me, in evaluating different views, if if your view like hinges on literal interpretation, well, that's going to be hard for me to land
1: where you land. Well, I think just, I think what you have to be careful of two two yeah. two sides of the horse, right? One is this kind of uh, apathetic, uh, pan-millennialism, It's all going to pan out in yeah. the end, you know. Uh, thing that you know hey if God wanted us to really know he'd make it yeah. he'd make it more clear uh, kind of thing and and really um whether that's whether that's just uh you know it's too hard and so I don't want to try or whether it's um, trying to keep the peace knowing that yeah. in the past maybe different views have debated and it, and yeah. it's become heated and we want to try to avoid I that for a good
0: theological it, argument yeah. so i get where other people aren't but yeah yeah
1: but but so that's one side of the horse and i think to that to, to that mentality we have to say hey you know second timothy 316 all scriptures inspired by god and profitable for teaching uh for reproving for um you know all of that i i just messed that up but anyway yeah all scripture is inspired. And so that's, this is part of scripture. And so it's, it's, it's worthy of hard work. It's worthy of us um, walking through and asking, what does it say? And what does it mean? And how do we apply it? Um, The other side of the horse might be that we have to be careful of falling off of is to take what our view is. Right. uh, If we're comfortable with our view and then putting that on like a like a lens and then reading the scripture through that lens. Right. Because then what we're what we're gonna get caught up on are things that might not fit within that filter. We're going to not necessarily walk through the process of exegeting the text. Instead, we're gonna say, Well, what does my favorite guy who agrees with me about, you know? Premillennialism or amillennialism. What do they say? How do they understand that text? And then we're just doing an end around, sure. Instead of just sticking with the text. Not that commentaries aren't useful. I use commentaries, you know, every week, um, uh, especially during this series. But but I think we need to be careful. Let the let the text speak for itself. Use good hermeneutical skills. It's apocalyptic. It's also a letter. Yeah. It's also a letter. So that means that it that it had an author mm-hmm. who who was in a particular setting at a particular time and it was written to a particular people right. at a particular time. To tell them something. To tell them something. And so yeah. you have to understand what that context was, what they were going through, yeah. who those people were. So you, you have to use all of those hermeneutical skills in order to understand what the text says. And I think we've got to be careful about taking our view and saying, well, it's got to fit within that somehow and just hammering it back into what we already come to the text with.
0: Yes. And I think that, uh, I think what I like encouraging would encourage people to do is like do some of the hard work to figure out what it means. Like, even if you're like taking some notes to figure out what you need to study later or something like that, because it is, I mean, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to figure out. Um, I do some of that hard work and we talked about before in our first episode on this, like the amount of old Testament, like, yeah. uh, I was, I can't remember chapter seven or something like that. Like you're going to, you're going to be in Zechariah. You're going to be in mm-hmm. Daniel. You're, and then and it's like every line he's making a different allusion to a different old Testament thing. Um, and so the amount of old Testament that you have to like go back and say, okay, just trying to figure out what this section of revelation means. But in order f- to figure out what this section of revelation means, I have to figure out what this section of Zechariah means and so on and so on, which yeah. is the
1: work that you do for us as a church. Yeah. Right? And, and a, a lot of that God. doesn't, doesn't come out yeah. in the sermon, like, like this past week in revelation nine in talking about this swarm of locusts. I mean, that's, that's Joel, Joel, the prophet, mm-hmm. you no know, second chapter um, talks about this, the swarm of locusts. Now, in that setting, he's talking about literal locus, you know, before the coming great day of the Lord, which is the final judgment. Um, so I don't think it, it wasn't. I don't think it was talking about the same swarm. Mm-hmm. But that's that has to play into knowing that John is very familiar with Joel chapter two. He's very familiar yeah. with the prophet Joel. That helps him to kind of formulate what he's seen, what Jesus is showing him, to be able to communicate it to the churches. Yeah. Uh, that's the background. That Old Testament stuff is critical. We'll continue to see that each yeah. and every
0: week. And I mean, it's just, I, w- I think you said before, maybe more so than any other book of the New Testament, just drenched in Old Testament allusions. Yeah. Old Testament allusions, not
1: necessarily um, quotations. quotations. You're illusions. not going to see many of that at, at all. Um, but man, it drips with Old Testament allusions. Yeah. The background of so many of these apocalyptic visions. And fantastic images that we see um, come straight out of the, the Old Testament background that John would have been very familiar and with. And
0: many of them from the apocalyptic books of the Old Testament. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Daniel, out, Ezekiel. still in the same boat of
0: having to figure out how to interpret right. apocalyptic literature. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, what do you, you mentioned it's been difficult. Uh, we, I think you said before, like you, even before you said it was going to be a lot of Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, it's dealing with a lot of figurative language. Uh, what resources have been most helpful to you as you've gone through this? Yeah. Now, so, before you answer that, would, would you say the study time for this has been more than your normal sermon prep? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I put in more time um, into, uh, into this. This the study week to week. Uh, I don't know hour-wise how much more, but yeah, it's it's been a, a significantly larger investment of time week after week than uh, some of the more recent yeah. series that we've been in.
0: Because you have to do, just uh, for people that aren't familiar with the preaching and the sermon writing thing, you have to figure out what it means, and then you can start the work of writing yeah. your sermon and yeah. how you're going to explain it to people. So you have to do a significant amount of, of
1: well and, 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 and
0: then figure out what it means. And yeah. then you can start really actually writing a sermon.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I'm doing, I'm walking through the interpretive process, which is what I typically do with I mean, that's, that's what I do with any series. Um, I'll, I'll do the, the, the grammar work, read through it, do the grammar work, um, look at words, understand what the words mean, uh, look at cross references, look at it in context, um, You know, start to try to piece together what I think it means. Um, but then typically when I'm done with that, I'll go back and I'll read a commentary or two to see if I've missed anything or to see if I've come up with something that's new that nobody else has thought of in 2,000 years, which probably means that it's, it's I'm, I'm off, I'm yeah. wrong. Um, the challenge here has been since there are multiple valid views of this, I read multiple valid commentaries that are from different perspectives um, in order to help me get a, a broad picture of what other people say about this text. Um, and so I've often found myself, Oh, I was way off there.
0: <laughs> so I think in uh D.A. Carson, like wrote the book, New Testament commentary survey, survey or whatever, where he's just telling you the best commentaries on each. I think when it gets to revelation, his his like suggestions about revelation begins with on the writing of commentaries about revelation there is no end or something like that. Like that's yeah. what he says first. Is yeah. Like there's no end to the amount of commentaries that have
1: been written on Revelation. So yeah, that
0: being I, said, what are your what have been the most helpful ones for you
1: so far? Yeah. So um I use um George Ladd is uh is one that I lean on uh consistently um, he has both a commentary as well as several other books that he's written on um, eschatology that, uh, that speak about a lot of the stuff that we're encountering. And so um, he approaches that from a historical premillennial standpoint. Maybe we can talk about that in just a minute. Maybe next uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, so George Ladd is one of them. Uh, G.K. Beale. Um, has wrote, written a fantastic commentary. Um, in fact, I've had his commentary on Revelation, his complete and unabridged commentary. Uh, you were so kind as to remind me that he came out with a, a shorter commentary. Um, and so I purchased his shorter commentary. His shorter commentary. Is 560 pages long. You purchased that? I, I did. Nah, this is this is something. Are you, or you borrowed? mine. I permanently borrowed from you, and then <laughs> you bought, bought you a copy of your own <laughs> since I had written all in this. Now one. we're jogging the memory. So, um, so G.K. Beale um, approaches it from an amillennial perspective, and so that's been a a really good balance uh, to George Ladd. Um, I also use Scott Duvall's uh, Teach the Text commentary series on Revelation, and he does a really good job of um, not just, not just, uh, you know, ha- as all commentaries do, um, uh, what does it say, but how do we teach this? How do, how do we communicate these messages and, and what are some helpful ways to illustrate the text and that sort of thing? Um, Tom Schreiner, I've mentioned him a few times. Um, he's been super helpful because he, uh, he's been a, a bit of a, um, a chameleon when it comes to his understanding of Revelation. Tom Schreiner is an ex- incredibly brilliant Bible scholar, um, and he has flip-flopped between amillennialism and historic premillennialism over the years. Um I have his commentary, um, his ESV expository commentary on Revelation, which um, I think at that point when he was writing that, it was from an amillennial uh, perspective. Uh, But he's very balanced um, in in how he approaches that. I also listened to uh, D.A. Carson, did a series of lectures at, I think it's Trinity. I think it was at Trinity. Trinity uh, Seminary. Trinity, Trinity Evangelical. Divinity um, School. Divinity School. Yes. Um, and so those are online. You can look them up. Uh, you can Google them on YouTube, and, and they're on the seminary website as well. But anyway, audio lectures that um, I don't listen to them every week, but they've been helpful as well. Yeah. I think I've, I'm, I'm following along with Beal, the
0: shorter version. Uh, unless you know like greek there's no reason to buy the longer version the shorter version's like it's up to like 35 bucks now i think it used to be like 25 bucks but uh, the the longer version is like 1200 pages and is like $75 yeah. and unless you're like unless you know greek you don't need the longer version
1: i've used it a few times just to get uh, a little bit deeper yeah. on some things that i wasn't clear clear on but his shorter his shorter commentary which is by far not short right um has has been has been very, very but but for constant. our average member following
0: along, like uh I, I'd say the Beal shorter, it's like you know right, right now on Amazon it's thirty five dollars, and then the Lad, uh, I think it's like the Lad one is like twenty four dollars. The just the commentary on Revelation, yeah. uh, I think those two, the shriner one I would say would be is super helpful as well, except that you have to buy it together, to a set with Hebrews through Revelation. Yeah. So on the ESV Expository Expository Commentary, but right. I mean, I'm sure the rest of that that stuff is probably good as well. But yeah. it's not a standalone thing to sure. To do so, um, yeah, uh, l- real quick because we are getting we're getting up there with time. What would you say as far as people looking ahead, studying, getting the most out of this? Like what would be your advice if someone's going to spend some time studying along, what would be your advice on like the most helpful things for them to, to study as we, as we move forward, what lies ahead and, and all of that?
1: Yeah. Um, it, it depends on how much time you want to put into it. Um, if you're really, if you're really into this study and you, you really want to follow along at a, at a deeper level, I would say do what you just suggested and, and get one or two of those commentaries we just talked about um, and read along with us in the text, as well as, you know, what those commentaries say uh, to kind of fill out you yeah. know, what we're covering each week. Um, but if you're just sticking with just the text, like and you want to read ahead and just
0: do a Bible study, maybe with a little study Bible or something like that, like what are the things that would be most helpful?
1: Yeah. I would say just read the text each week. Yeah. Um, and, um, perhaps, you know, if you've been keeping notes, uh, refresh your memory. Um, I've had to do that each week. It's like, wait a second, where are we? Yeah. Um, what, what happened? Uh, what were those seals again? Uh, what was going on with that? Um, so keep those, keep those notes handy. Um, and ask yourself each week what is what is the text saying? What does the text mean? And how is it that we're we're to apply that? Keep the keep the purpose of the book at central in your mind um, to be able to ask how is this this understanding that I'm walking away from this passage? How is this going to help me and our church to be equipped to persevere through tribulation?
0: Yeah. And- maybe this is conversation. maybe this is a question that's open ended and not good to ask at the plus 30 minute mark but do you see i think you do based on comments you've made in sermons you see revelation like recapitulating and telling some of the same story over and over again um, partially it, but but not just saying the same thing but progressing as well yes
1: so, like, so i use the analogy of telescoping Which is a, which is a really inadequate um, illustration because, you know, you can compress a telescope completely. Right. um, Where the different sections are really kind of like recapitulating each story over and over again. Right. And you can also extend it to where it is completely progressing. I think it does both. I, I think there are aspects of the trumpets that we see repeated in the seals. Yeah. Um, and I think there are aspects of the trumpet that go beyond what we see in the seals. And, they, and it's progressing the, the, the narrative along. Or Absolutely. I, I, I see I both think, of those. I think
0: that the reason I bring that up at the plus 30 minute mark, when we're talking about how someone can study and whatever, I think that taking time to look at that and saying, well, is this, cause it's not, I, I think it's not, let me say for me, looking at it, it's not strictly chronological. Um, so I think taking some time to say, okay, when is it? when is it recapitulating? When is it going back? Um, or is this, is this same thing that it's talking about here in front of me in this chapter something that it's already talked about in another chapter or we'll talk about in a future chapter. I think those kinds of connections, I think uh, that would also help with as people study along. So yeah. really enjoying it. Thank you for the extra time that you're having to put into it every week. And, um, I hope that our church is encouraged and getting that, ma- that big picture message that we can all agree on, which is we can persevere because Jesus is victorious. Amen. That's, that's our episode for the week.